0: Welcome to another inspiring message recorded at Rivers Church. I was reading about a three-time Olympic cyclist who broke the world land speed record way back in 1985. Uh, and he did it on a bicycle. How many mean you know someone... Uh, breaks the world land speed record on a bicycle. It's quite amazing. His name's John Howard, pretty amazing cyclist. But behind a vehicle that shielded him from the wind, he managed to reach a top speed of 244 kilometers per hour. They say that just one turn of his pedals propelled the bike 33 and a half meters along the ground. Uh, Pretty amazing thing on a bicycle. But the more amazing thing about this is that in 1995, Just some years later, another man by the name of Fred Rompelberg beat Howard's best, reaching the top speed of 268 kilometers per hour. But what is even more amazing is in 2018, a female cyclist by the name of Denise Muller Koronek broke the record at 294 kilometers per hour. Most of us cannot even imagine a bicycle doing that speed. Isn't that true? You can imagine a vehicle doing a land speed record, but uh, we can't imagine a bicycle. What that really means is that when we think about this, we often underestimate the potential in people. And we also underestimate the potential in ourselves. But God never underestimates our potential. He always sees what we can still do. Even though Rivers Church is strong, he still sees how many more people we can still reach, how many more campuses we can still plant. You may have reached the pinnacle in your business. You may have finally I got married. You may have had a child. There may be a breakthrough in your life, but God sees there's still more. He never underestimates our potential. A man called John W. Gardner, he passed away some years ago, but he was the U.S. Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare, He said, there's something I know about you that you may or may not know about yourself. You have within you more resources of energy than have ever been tapped. More talent has ever been exploited, more strength than has ever been tested, and more to give than you have ever given. You have got so much more in you. Miles Monroe, the great author and the late great author, who wrote a book called Understanding Your Potential, amongst many books on potential, he said this. He said, you are capable of more than others expect of you, even beyond your own extravagant dreams. You got big dreams? He says, way beyond that. Unexposed, dormant potential rests beneath the surface of our daily existence. Your humdrum life, there's potential under there. He says, it's waiting to be discovered and released. You are capable of more than others expect of you, Even beyond your own most extravagant dreams. I want to speak to you today on the enemies of realizing your potential. Because sometimes when it comes to potential, we don't realize there are enemies keeping us back from realizing our potential. Some of those enemies live upstairs over here, not upstairs in your apartment block. They live upstairs quite close to you in your own head, as we say, Drivers, in your own shed. You remember the bomber, the, uh, the, the bomber in Oklahoma who blew up that building, Timothy McVeigh? He lived in his own head in a little shed. That's, wh- that's where you end up. You end up destroying your life and the lives of others. But when you end up thinking like God, you live an expansive life and you start discovering your potential. Now, in a moment, we're going to read about the conversion of the Apostle Paul. Because when the Apostle Paul got converted, understand this, his potential was realized. It was released because here's what happened to the Apostle Paul. He had come from a good background. He'd grown up well. He'd been educated. There was a lot going for him. But when he got converted, man, he touched the world. They say the Apostle Paul, through his ministry, has touched more than a billion people. Isn't that amazing? And he's a key figure in the New Testament, wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Think about this. He's probably influenced our lives second to the Lord Jesus. No one has influenced the church's life more than the apostle Paul, second to Jesus, obviously. And he said he was a role model, follow me as I follow Christ. So his life is a great example. And we read about his conversion three times in the book of Luke. Luke mentions it in detail. Acts 9, Acts 22, Acts 26. Why would Luke repeat it in detail? Surely if you're writing about something, you kind of like just mention it? No, because it's very important. It holds tremendous keys and truths, and we can learn something from it, now Paul's conversion was unique, but every one of us needs a conversion, whether unique or not, we need a conversion, isn't that true, and he was greatly used by God after his conversion, his name was changed from Saul to Paul, because God used him no longer as Saul a Jew, but God used him as Paul a Jew, speaking to Gentiles, so he took on a Roman name, Acts 13, you can read about that Now, when we read Acts nine in a moment, Acts nine obviously obviously follows Acts seven and eight. And in Acts seven and eight, we read about Stephen, who was being stoned to death. Stephen was being stoned with real stones, and they were throwing them at him. and as the Bible says, as they did so, they laid their cloaks at the feet of a man called Saul. Saul was in charge of murdering Christians. And they put their cloaks at his feet. And here just two chapters later, Luke tells us what happened on this road to Damascus. Now Damascus was where Paul was heading because in Damascus there were lots of Jews. And he wanted to go there because Christians were influencing the Jews and he wanted to deal with it. He wanted to stop that influence. I want you to realize that whenever you try and reach people for Jesus, there are those who want to stop you. They will even kill you and they'll kill you on Instagram and Twitter. But you need to keep going. Because the gospel will prevail. And Paul was, a, was, a, was an incredible man, but he needed a conversion. You see, the, can, can I say this? We think that education is everything. Paul studied under Gamaliel. And education isn't everything. Education does not release all your potential. I know people are working in dead-end jobs with degrees. And there are others who, who didn't finish school, who are running multi-million rand enterprises because it takes more than education to release your potential and Paul had studied under Gamaliel they said that when Gamaliel spoke it was like you're hearing from heaven yourself it was it was it was a it was a he was an amazing man an amazing rabbi who, who was an intellectual but God needed to get hold of Paul and do more in his life so let's read this personal conversion are you all with me and then we'll unpack it I'll give you three enemies of of our potential uh sorry three things that can't kill our potential and then I'll give you eight enemies that we need to take note of. So let's read Acts chapter 9, a few scriptures here. Are you ready? You ready in Samson? Let's read this together. It says, meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out. Isn't that an interesting term? Breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. Do you know in the original Greek, the phrase breathing out means that he breathed in and out. The Greek word means breathing in and out, which means his very breath that he lived on was to kill people. He lived to kill. That's what it's saying there. It's not just being poetic. And it says, he went to the high priest and asked for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. In Acts 26, it says it was brighter than the sun. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul. Why do you persecute me? Isn't that interesting? Do you know that when any one of us is attacked for the gospel, Jesus is attacked? People think they can just say what they like about the church, but they're actually speaking against Jesus. He didn't say, why did you murder Stephen? Why are you persecuting Christians? He said, why are you persecuting me? You see, because Jesus and his church are linked Jesus is the head connected to the body, the church. When you are hurting, Jesus feels it. And he says to him, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied, "Didn't say I, you, it's the church. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told, uh, sorry, did I skip something? Yes. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but they didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, and when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days, he was blind. How many know God doesn't do things for nothing? God didn't say, I'll make him blind. You know how many people he's killed? Just blind. Now, God had to shut his eyes. Do you know sometimes you have to stop seeing certain things before you can see afresh? It says, you know, watch this, for three days he was blind, did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. He used to be the head of one of the synagogues. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man named Tarsus, from Tarsus, named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his, his sight. Lord Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he is doing to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Can you see how many excuses we make when we are told to reach people? But the Lord said to Ananias, go. You'll see an exclamation mark in the grammar there. This is a man, sorry, this man is my chosen instrument. To proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Yeah, just pause for a moment. I wonder if on both campuses, if we ask people just before we prayed for them to receive Jesus, anyone want to receive Jesus today? You're going to suffer immensely. Can I see that hand? You see, the gospel isn't just about blessing and potential. If ever you're going to realize your potential, suffering is going to come with it. Some of us want a big life without any pain. No, no, you enter salvation and the potential of heaven and the potential in your life through pain and through suffering. Isn't that true? Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice he called him brother, and Saul had just recently murdered someone. We need to welcome people, and the minute they receive Jesus, they brothers and sisters. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up, watch this, and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Can you see that he actually got baptized before he had any food? If it was us, it's about three days, get baptized later. Bring the, no, that shows you how important baptism is. It's not just something you decide, you know, sometime I'll get, no, you need, if you've received Jesus and you've been truly converted to to fulfill your potential before you even eat, you need to give yourself fully to Jesus and he can begin to change you. Now I want to look at three things that can't kill our potential as we've read the story. And it'll make sense to you. Number one, the first thing that can't kill potential that we learn from the Apostle Paul, is our past can't kill our potential. Aren't you grateful? Even if you've messed up your life, you've hurt people, murdered people, you've been a brutal person, you've been a nasty person, you may have been divorced several times and you know it's your fault, you may be an alcoholic, a drunkard, a drug addict, God gives you a new start and he will still release your potential no matter what your past looks like. The Bible says that all of Saul's sins were forgiven as he became Paul and entered a completely new life. I love Hebrews 10 and verse 17. we reminded you the Bible says, their sins and their lawless acts, I will remember no more. Isn't that great? The second thing that can't kill our potential is rejection and hurts. Rejection and hurts. Even if people discard you, Life discards you, your wife or your husband discards you, or your parents discard you, you still have potential. Life can stamp on you, but it can't stamp out your potential. The minute you arise and come to Christ, everything can change in your life. And I want to say to you today, some people are under many layers of cardboard and dirt and the hurts of life. You need to come to Christ and shake off because under there is still great value. There's a couple in Scotland, their names are Angus and Angela Milner-Brown. They bought a tattered old chair some 10 years ago, and uh, they got it at a bargain price at an auction for 90 rand. They didn't have money to cover the chair, so they put the chair in their attic, and uh, 10 years later, they had the money, 10 years later, to recover the chair. Well, he began to work on it himself, and began to peel off all the upholstery, he found that he, as he peeled the layers of upholstery off, there was other layers of upholstery under it. And as he peeled those layers of upholstery off, he found there some earrings, a brooch, and a ring, all that had diamonds in them, buried under the upholstery. They took them to a program you may have seen on television called the Antiques Roadshow, and they valued those goods at 90,000 rand. I wonder how many valuable things are in your life buried under layers. I wonder how many people have sat on you and buried you under layers and layers of hurt and rejection. But God says, you bring those things out, they've got potential and they've got value. Number three, the third thing is this. This can't kill our potential, our abilities. You have, you you up to this point have had certain abilities. Paul had limited abilities. But suddenly God brought out new abilities in his life. And God doesn't call us on the basis of our ability, but on the basis of his ability. And the Bible says here that the Holy Spirit was poured into him after his conversion. He got baptized and then he entered a whole new season of fruitfulness. You know, sometimes we we, we so look at our little bit of ability and then we don't even use it. God says, if you use the little, I'm there to multiply it. Many of you wouldn't have heard of a university, a college that exists in America called the Berry College. It was founded by a woman called Martha Berry. She had a heart for poor children, and uh, she wanted to start a school, but she had no books, she had no buildings, she had no desks, she had no money. So this was in the early 1900s. She wrote to Henry Ford, whose car company was booming. He was a multimillionaire, and she asked him for a donation to help her with the school. Well, he sent her a dime in, the, in, in an envelope. uh uh, uh, 10 cents was it 5 cents 10 cents is a dime 10 cents I thought it was 10 10 cents imagine getting a dime from a multimillionaire. I would have probably thrown it in the drawer and thought what a cheek she took the dime and bought peanut seeds she planted the peanuts and from the crop she sold those peanuts took that money bought more peanut seeds planted more then sold that bought more eventually after four harvests from a dime She sent Henry Ford $1,500 in an envelope saying, here's your return on your investment. Now wait. He was so impressed with what she did with the little bit she had that he said to her, that's amazing. He drove up with his wife to the school because she now used the peanut money to buy a building as well. He came to visit The little kid stood there and sang to him and his wife, and he made a $3 million donation. Do you know how much that was in the early 1900s? And they began to put up buildings that are still there today. Today, the Berry College sits on 30,000 acres of property. And it started with one woman, with little ability, with just a dime. What's in your life this morning that when you come to Christ gets unlocked? Let's look at the enemies, because there were enemies in Paul's life and they enemies in our lives. Number one, the first enemy of potential is this, a lack of truth. A lack of truth. You could, if you're making notes this morning, put a diagonal and then write this, deception. Because Paul didn't know the truth. And when you don't know the truth, you usually are deceived. Isn't that true? And he didn't know the truth about Jesus. He didn't know the truth about salvation. And the enemy's goal is to convince you of something other than the truth to keep you from your potential. Often the enemy will deceive us by telling us, you can't, you'll never be able to. You need to pursue that. You need to stay in your day job. Don't you dare think of anything else. You've seen people. It's deception. You need to go to God and read his word and discover that God's got much more. You see, it was deception that made Gideon think he was a loser when God said, no, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon didn't step out because he, 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 was, he was believing the lies about his life instead of the truth of what God said. It was, it was a lack of truth that kept Israel from entering the promised land. They believed they were losers. And it was a lack of truth that kept Paul as a fanatic, a religious fanatic, from discovering Christ and fulfilling his potential. I wonder what lies are you believing today? Is the enemy deceiving you into thinking that you need to live a small life? Yeah, but you know, I'm 50 years old. Doesn't matter what age you are. Doesn't matter where you are. You need to believe the truth of God's word about your potential. Can you say amen? Because deception will cut you off from your potential. Number two, the second thing that is an enemy of potential is a lack of purpose. You see, people today, like the Apostle Paul, are involved in all sorts of causes. Have you noticed when you switch on the news, there's some march going on somewhere for something? Someone's protesting about something. If it's not plastic bags or bottles, then it's, then it's about uh, white supremacy or racism or, or, or marching for wages. Now, I'm not saying those aren't legitimate causes, but I think people become fanatical when they don't know their true purpose. The apostle Paul was driven by a cause, but not by the purposes of God. And causes will make you a violent person he was a murderer. Causes make people do violent things. Purpose makes you a builder. There's a big difference between being a person of purpose in a nation or being a person of a cause. People of causes break a nation. People of purpose build a nation. And here he discovers his purpose. And you see, Paul had, had the wrong sense. He thought that, and, and Christians think this too, he thought that being righteous was the main thing. Pure. How many of you realize that the North Pole, or the South Pole, is the South Pole, yes. The South Pole is the purest place on earth. You know why? Because it's cold. Germs don't survive there. But there are not many people living there. Because this pure, cold place doesn't attract people. And when you don't know your purpose, you're a pure, cold, religious fanatic. And you don't attract many people. But when you get converted and you discover your purpose is to love God and love people, suddenly you become a warm person and people are drawn to you. The Apostle Paul, when he discovered his purpose, went from a murderer to a lover. All his letters end with numerous people as friends. And he speaks a lot about loving the church. And he had so many people that he had warm affections for. When you don't know your purpose, you end up deceived, distorted. Can you see that? Number three, the third thing this morning is this, a lack of conversion. A lack of conversion. When you haven't encountered God, you've got religion. You don't have the light of Jesus in your life. Hmm? And I think a lot of people see conversion as the end of their life. I know, conversion's actually the beginning. Oh, if I give my life to Jesus, oh, that's the end of jawling, eh? Oh, that's the end of beers. Oh, it's, I wonder if Rivers drink wine. Ooh. yana yeah, know, and I can't go dance. Oh. Oh, maybe next week. Now, I think that when you get converted, life begins. I've come that you might have life and life more abundantly. On the Santin campus and the Carl Army campus this morning, we need to realize that, that, that when we get converted, it's not the end of life. It's actually the beginning of life. I love what this woman said. Her name was Ivy Baker Priest. She was the former American uh, treasurer. She said, the world is round and the place which may seem like the end may also be only the beginning. You see, when when Stephen was on the ground dying, the Bible says heaven opened and he saw Jesus. Do you know how fortunate the apostle Paul was? He didn't see it when he was dying. He saw it when he was getting born again. Heaven opened and he heard the voice of Jesus and he saw a bright light and a whole new day dawned for him. Conversion doesn't shut down your life. It opens up your life and it fills you with new power and new purpose. People don't have a purpose. You, you know, you can have a lot of money and you can even be a powerful person, but when you don't have purpose, your life is empty. Some of you are too young to remember a program that used to be on America, those who traveled to America many years ago, the Merv Griffin Show. Today, we've got so many talk shows, but Merv Griffin was one of the most popular in the early years. And it's the story's told that Merv Griffin invited onto his show a guest who was a bodybuilder. And the man walked, you know, they that I want, to, you want you to welcome so and so and the person walks onto the platform and this guy walked on the platform you know he was as well built as me and he was well this guy was huge and he was flexing his muscles you know and they pulled their legs and, you know they did, it's flexing under here and then you know the people were screaming applauding the girls everyone's whistling and, and he went and sat down and Merv Griffin's first question to him was this he said what do you use all those muscles for? And he looked puzzled. He jumped up again, and he stood on this side. This, and he, you know, and then he sat down. And Merv Griffin said a second time, "Excuse me, but what do you use those muscles for?" And he jumped up a third time, looking like, "Are you thick or what?" And he, and he sat down. And the third time, Merv Griffin said to him, "What do you use those muscles for?" And the question is today: Is what's the good of having power with no purpose? What's the good of having money with no purpose? See, conversion unlocks purpose, and it shows you what you were meant to do. And then you get the Holy Spirit, and then life takes on a whole. Now the apostle Paul is driven, not by fanaticism, but by God's purpose, by truth. And his heart's converted where he loves, and now it begins to change the world around him. Can I remind us, because this is becoming a very popular thing. People tell me, oh, I don't come to Rivers Church, but I'm very, you know, I've got some beliefs, and I'm very sincere. The apostle Paul was sincere, but he was sincerely wrong. And sincerity, unfortunately, is not enough. Oh, you know, each to his own. Not each to his own. Each to his own means you end up in hell. And Jesus didn't look at him and say, man, what a fanatic, eh? Let's give him 10 out of 10. He's probably misguided. He's killed a few people, but hey, is he protecting Judaism? Let's look at the good. No, no, no. God appears to him and says, hey, sincerity is not enough. You need to be, you need to discover truth. You need to discover purpose. You need to be converted. And then everything changes. Can you see that if you don't get converted, it's an enemy of your potential? Number four, a lack of the right people is an enemy of potential. The Bible says that as soon as he had been taken into Damascus, Ananias was sent by God. Surely God, the one who appeared to him on the road in a vision, could have appeared to him in another vision and said, excuse me, Paul, I forgot to mention. Your eyes will be opened. Now, God used a person to open his eyes. Never think that when you get converted, well, that's it, I made a decision, I don't need to come back. No, God uses people in the church People that you maybe once despised to get your eyes open. And then Barnabas comes along and Barnabas encourages him in the faith. And I want to read to you what it says here because you need the right people around you. Acts 9, it says when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. It's so important to have the right people around you. And sometimes we think that our talent and our conversion is enough. No, no, no. I want to remind you, especially the football fans in the room, two of the greatest coaches of recent times, one of them is Sir Alex Ferguson and a current coach, Pep Guardiola. He used to coach Barcelona. Barcelona had massive wins under his coaching. Have you noticed that since Alex Ferguson has left Man United, they have slipped down the table like someone sliding down a ladder with wet hands? (laughs) Sorry, forgive me, but I'm preaching the truth. Let me assure you, Man United fans, that I'm not attacking you. Barcelona is a shadow of the team it once was. And Man City is now the top team in the Premier League because it's not just your talent and your feet. It's who coaches you. It's who coaches you. And God uses people to bring the best out in us. And it's so important to get around the right people. I was encouraged to preach and teach even before I even began to do that. I'd not spoken to more than three people. I'd never even spoken publicly at a wedding. But others saw and began to lay hands on me and began to steer me and bring out my potential. You see, I first had the truth. Then I discovered my purpose. I got converted. And I began to have the right people around me. Life is not a matter of luck. Potential is not realized unless you have the right people in your life. And I constantly do that at Rivers. We're looking to see if we can release people around us. Dr. Sam Chandler, you all know, said this. He said, you and I are a product of serial relationships. One person introduced you to the next person who introduced you to the next person. And you carry all those relationships with you. So if we know that we're a product of all the people who have brought us to where we are, why do we become so busy that we don't invest in relationships? You want to grow and reach your potential? You need the right people around you. And a lot of people don't have that. Number five, you still good? A lack of the right environment. So Paul didn't only have the right people around him. He was taken into the right environment. How many of you know for every life form on the planet to reach its potential, it has to be in the right environment? You can't put a plant in soil that is like beach soil and expect it to give fruit. It won't. It's not the right environment. Some plants thrive in the shade. Others thrive in the sun. And for us to reach our full potential, we need to be in the right environment. The apostle Paul was withdrawn from his fanatical friends. And he was put in an environment where he could grow. Notice what he tells us in 2 Corinthians about our environment. And before we read this, can I say this to you? If you put a plant in a pot with fertilizer, but you keep it in your garage in the dark, how many of you know it won't grow? Even though you have saved that plant and fertilized it, and it has water, almost like the Holy Spirit and the Word, if it's in the dark, it will die. Now, Paul writing to us, talking about environment, he says this to Corinthians 6.17, as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And, they, and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You see, you can't, if you, wanna, if you want to grow, you've got to live in the light. You can't just attend church infrequently and expect to realize your potential. You've got to get on the right people in the right environment where there's praise and worship, where the word is taught even manufacturers of products stick stickers on their boxes and give you leaflets to tell you what the ideal conditions are you can't have a microphone and when you finish with it you put it into a basin of water it it's not the it won't release its potential in fact it will minimize its potential the same with us God's created us now the apostle Paul went into the right environment read Galatians chapter one with me this is where he went after being converted It says, but when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult with any human being. Uh, That that, means he didn't ignore people. He, He just chose to withdraw from the fanatics he was with. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Watch this. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas peter and stayed with him 15 days paul had to be withdrawn because he needed to have his eyes shut he needed a change of environment he needed to be recalibrated and then launched out into his ministry some of the people in this room and and in santon you've got people around you are not allowing you to recalibrate your life you need to get to the truth realize if you've been converted then get your purpose Then getting the right people in the right environment, suddenly potential begins to be released. Am I making sense? A fish can't live in polluted water, and plants die when they aren't watered. Every one of us needs the right environment. Are you in the right environment today? That's the question I want to ask you. Number six, are you still good? A lack of vision. A lack of vision. Paul had a vision, but he didn't have a godly vision. He had a selfish, fanatical vision. And once his eyes were open, he could see with fresh eyes what God wanted to do. God wants to give you a vision. Listen to me, when you get a vision, you know what happens? You can overcome persecution, hardship, pain, criticism. You can overcome, it. You can overcome anything. Even when people don't want to go with you or don't believe in you, you can keep going. The Bible says that John Mark was traveling with Paul and he wanted to return home. He grew up wealthy and he was becoming a bit uncomfortable. Paul didn't say, Yeah, we need a break, eh? Let's go back and chill. Shame. Come here, my boy. The Bible says he left him and Barnabas behind. Barnabas, you mentored him, said, Sorry, I've got such a vision. You need to have a vision for your life. Then your potential will be unleashed. But when you don't have a vision, all you see is, Oh, there are problems in this country. And look at my life, and look at my wife, and look at my kids. And, and today, you know, you can't even raise children. And what are the kids of today? And where's this country going? And, uh, now, you need to have a vision that sees through all that. There's a new channel on TV called uh, HGTV. Anyone, anyone seen it on DSTV? It's uh, all about home renovations. I watch it when I go to America, Funny enough. It's the only thing I can watch in America when I go. Um, put it on, the hotel keeps you company, and you see houses being renovated and it inspires you Make sure you watch stuff that inspires you. You know what inspires me? Inspires me to create and change. Now there's a couple on there. They do a lot of programs. They called Chip and Johanna Gaines. They run a company that renovates houses, and they they come to houses that are dilapidated, they are wet, broken down, rats, cockroaches. You can't believe how ugly those houses are. But guess what? They have vision, to see beyond what's been done to it, and that vision. Other people, even contractors, come and they go, "Oh no, I don't think you can do that." And he's like watch me, and she chooses tiles, and he's like, no, that's not the right color, trust me. She's got vision to see something as it can be, not as it is, and God wants you to get fresh vision like the Apostle Paul, to see what your life can be like, to see past the dilapidation to what he can make of it, and to what can happen, and no matter how old you are, God can work in your life. You know, some people have to wait a long time before they discover their purpose and their passion, and get a vision, some people get a vision very late in life, I was reading about Barbara Woodhouse, some of you are also too old to know her, but she was very famous, she was a household name in, in the, the UK, she trained dogs and horses, she waited until her husband died, until she really, really fulfilled her passion, do you know at 71 she started her television show, 71, and she became a household name, she was the one who coined the phrase sit for dogs, and walkies, And she said this, I love this. She said, there are no bad pets, only bad owners. The same could apply to children when it comes to sit and walkies. (laughs) Oh, you know children today? No, 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 there are no bad children. There are only, you said it, and I can hear it in Santon echoing across that auditorium this morning. It's amazing how you can start late in life. You know, there's a woman who did a lot of go-karting, and she, she became quite good at it. Her name is uh, Lynn St. James. And uh, at the age of 45, she entered the Indianapolis 500, and she became the rookie of the year that she, that she did so well. 45 years old. Then the Sports Illustrated magazine, this is what they said about her. They ranked her the, one of the top 100 women athletes of the 20th century. Sorry, of the 19th century. The 20th century. 20th century. <laughs> Imagine starting racing at 45. It's like, Granny, what are you doing here? There must have been kids that are like ne- nearly 20 years younger than her. But it's amazing what you can do if you've got a vision. You've got to have a vision. Think of this guy. His name is Makani Richard Baloyi. He washed dishes for 10 years in a restaurant. Then he was a cook for two years. But you know what he did for 36 years of his working career? He took money from his salary and he saved it. Then the restaurant he worked at most recently, where he was a cook for two years, he bought that, La Mama in Randburg and became the owner. He didn't get a government grant or a loan from Standard Bank. He simply had a vision that caused him to save, that released his potential. You must have a vision. Number seven, quickly, the time ticketh, a lack of value. When you don't see the value that you have in God and the value that you have in your life, you will never realize your potential. Stop looking at yourself as useless. Stop saying I'm a failure. No, you have failed many times, but you're not a failure. You've got to believe that there's value because you're made in the image of God. And anyone made in the image of God has got value and has creative ability. And so we have to value ourselves. Don't be down on yourself value yourself you just don't know what you've got and sometimes we bury our gifts and talents until someone tells us hey you're good at that oh am I I was reading about this policeman his name is Mike Sereno. lives in America went to a restaurant with his family and was eating stew seafood stew you know they mix all sorts of stuff in there lobster and all that I don't eat that kind of stuff I prefer to eat clean food, and uh, anyway, he's eating, and suddenly, he bites down on something, and he opens his mouth, takes it out, it's a pearl, it doesn't come out of an oyster, it comes out of a thing called a quahog, a quahog is a, it's like a basic shell. So he's like, ah, oh, check it this, eh? gives it to his daughter, she chucks it in a jewelry box, and everyone forgets about it, six years later, he's sitting in the lounge, he's watching TV, he sees a woman on TV has sold her pearl from a quahog, for thousands of dollars, he hauls it out. He says, hey, hey, get that jewelry box. Let's dig around. He finds it at the bottom in the dust. They take it to an auction house and a Japanese collector from Japan bids online and buys that Quahog pull for 245,000 rand. What's there in your life that's been thrown at the bottom of a box that's buried in dust? Do you see the value you've got? Man, you've got such value. God wants to use you. There's this British artist, her name is Jane Perkins. Jane Perkins uses throwaway items of plastic and junk to do her artwork. She never spends more than 400 rand on buying bits and bobs to do her art. But she's done, look at the art she's done. Mona Lisa, Michael Jackson, Albert Einstein with junk, the royal family. Do you know she was a nurse for 17 years until she suddenly decided, you know what, I've got a vision and I think I've got a gift. And she started doing this. Today, her paintings sell from between 38,000 to 50,000. And she's done exhibitions all across the world Singapore, Malaysia, she, New York. It's amazing. What, what is there in your life that you're treating as junk? That's got value. Number eight, and I'll close, but I won't close quickly. Be warned. Are you being helped? Quickly. A lack of effort. So many people think that when you get saved and converted, God does everything. No, no, no. The apostle Paul had to work. And that's why we are called to work. Work unlocks potential. The parable of the talents teaches us that. Isn't that true? That when you put effort in, you can double your talent. The man who didn't put effort in and left it to God ended up with nothing. And the apostle Paul repeatedly says this, even though God is working in him. Notice these verses, 1 Corinthians 15. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. In other words, I couldn't work to be saved. And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Can you see you have to work to realize your potential? And Paul worked hard. And uh, people don't love work. You need to start loving work because when you love work, you love potential. Work is what unlocks your potential. You don't unlock your potential sitting in front of the TV. To Corinthians 11:23. 23, I have worked harder, he says, been put in prison more often, been whipped, whipped times without number and faced death again and again. Acts chapter 20, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And Romans 16, greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, good baby names. Those women who work hard, In the Lord, can you see staff need to work hard? Committed volunteers, greet my dear friend Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Can you see laziness aborts potential, but effort increases potential? As I close this morning, quickly, Pamela Sotoli is today a qualified doctor, but it wasn't always like that. From 14, she did domestic work, working to help support her single mother, who on her own tried to raise her. She did odd jobs between her medical studies. She cleaned houses, and today she's a qualified doctor. The work would not have unlocked her potential. She had to do something. And God has got so much for us. But guess what? It starts with conversion. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.